Hi, I'm Chris Farrell, an economics and finance author and journalist. And I'm Twyla Dang. I'm an entrepreneur and a podcaster. The point of this podcast is simple. There's a misconception about people with low and unstable incomes. We think they don't know how to manage money. But they do. People and families with low and unstable incomes are often creative and collaborative with their finances. We'll show you that community is the best investment a person can make. This is Small Change, money stories from the neighborhood. How did I learn about money? I didn't. This happened a lot. We thought we were asking a pretty straightforward question. What did you learn from your parents about money? The overwhelming response was they didn't learn. I didn't learn about money. We really didn't. We didn't talk about money in my family. Managing money was never a topic, you know, at the dinner table. My mom never taught me anything about money. So you'd think we'd drop that question. But here's the thing. In every conversation, we would ask that question, get a negative response, and then something wonderful happened. Yeah, I love that. I know you did. Each person started sharing what their parents showed them by actions, not words. We heard about work ethic, religious practices, side hustles, all the things that had a direct tie to how they learned to earn and save. We tend to think of traditions as stories that are passed down or understanding shared among family members. But in reality, traditions are rooted in actions. This seems to be especially true when it comes to learning about money. And some of these lessons are hard and some are heartwarming, but all of them shape how we make choices with finances. Meet Matt Grasky. Matthew Grasky and Cadence Records and Coffee Shop in St. Paul, Minnesota. Matt Grasky is the owner of Cadence Records and Coffee Shop in St. Paul. Matt is an entrepreneur with a strong DIY work ethic. And he learned from his parents that you sometimes have to do extra work to support your life choices. For both of his parents, that meant having a side hustle. My parents had a conversation that they wanted to raise their own kids and didn't want to pay to have them in daycare. So my mom was a stay-at-home mom who who ambitiously um, took up seamstress work late at night, and we would hear her swearing at her sewing machine and stuff, but, like, trying to get it done to support. And then my dad raised four kids on a janitor salary primarily, so somewhat out of necessity, he picked up the entrepreneurial stuff just to help. He started a landscaping company just, you know, between, between the hours to help make ends meet. As a kid, Matt watches his parents take on this extra work at night and on weekends. He's learning the value of a little something called sweat equity. Eventually, it's his turn to start working, but his dad adds a new wrinkle to his money education. As teenagers, my father's landscaping, he would employ myself, my brother's um, relatives and such, but he had a rule. And it was, you know, kind of bizarre, maybe very paternal or something, but his rule was... I'll, I'll pay you a fair wage, but I want you to save 50% of the money I pay you from landscaping. And I got in cahoots with him and, and it, I'm kind of glad, I'm kind of glad to some extent it worked out, but I had at, at first when I was 16, I was having a hard time with money was, would be burning a hole in your pocket because you want to buy cool things. So, so maybe out of necessity, he put that rule into effect. But then I had him, lucky for me, um, save 
of all the landscaping money I made one whole summer. And it was enough for me to buy a car when I got my license. So, I mean, that worked out. I think that taught me, that taught me a lot. So Matt absorbed lessons from his parents by watching their actions day in and day out. Their creative solutions to support their goal of putting the family first shaped how Matt would approach money challenges as an adult. The foundation of his consistent DIY life was fostered at home. We'll be back with more Small Change. Small Change is supported by Thrivent through generous support from the Thrivent Foundation. Thrivent is driven by a higher purpose to help people achieve financial clarity and to make the most of all they've been given. Small Change is also supported in part by the McKnight Foundation, which works to advance a more just, creative, and abundant future where people and planet thrive. Learn more at McKnight.org. Welcome back to Small Change. This is Sabrina. My name is Sabrina Jones, and my company is Body Love Products. Sabrina's parents introduced her to a very different practice, but it's also been incredibly consistent. Her parents took her to church from a young age. Many traditions are passed on through organized religion. And for Sabrina, one facet of her religious experience has become a cornerstone to her approach to money. Did you learn money lessons? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) And I think a lot of my lessons came from um, some of the, you know, mistakes that uh, can be made. And I think that's how you can, you learn, hopefully. I think it just starts out as being a tither. I'm, I'm a Christian woman. And so my parents taught me early about tithing and giving back. And it's not just financially, but also just through service. When I made money from babysitting or from whatever, you know, you, you gave a portion to the church. Um, as I grown, you know, became older. That out, that was always there. Went to college and learned how to uh, budget a, a checkbook. <laughs> Not always successful. Became very familiar with what NSF meant. And my parents saying, you know what? We're not going to bail you out. You know, you got yourself into this. Get yourself out. And then that reality check right there was like, wow. You know what? Like, this is real. Like, money is important. You need to know how to budget it to be able to plan, to be able to have the things that you want. And I just kind of had that in my mindset ever since then. And that that's pretty much helped. And to the point that I'm like budgeting a checkbook and my planner like weekly. I'm checking in business-wise daily to be able to see how our sales going. You know, looking at the marketing pieces, looking at, you know, maybe where, where our changes needed because you need to be in the know. You need to know what you're working with and what you have. Okay, what Sabrina calls an automatic behavior can also be thought of as a habit. A habit is defined as, quote, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. Thanks, Merriam-Webster. So in layman's terms, it's an action that you do so routinely that you do it without even thinking about it. It is a given that you will do it. Sabrina explains how tithing is now just a part of who she is. You know, I think it's just, it's an automatic behavior for me now because I've been a, an, an active tither since I was 15 and I haven't stopped. And so I don't think anything of it. When I get a paycheck, that's an automatic, that's the first thing that comes out. And so when I related to, you know, a business, 
as a business owner, sometimes you forget to pay yourself first. And so, but when I think of tithing, I think it helps me keep things in perspective because I, again, I, I wouldn't be here not only for the customers that I have, but for the motivation and, and quite frankly, God, because I, I think he's guided my every path, just everything that I've done to be able um, to just to do. And so that's, that's my piece. If he's, I see it as if he's able to do all of this for me, what's 10%? While Sabrina embraced her parents' tithing lesson, sometimes a lesson from a parent isn't fully absorbed until much later in life. Saving money isn't automatic for most people. This is Paula McClum. My name is Paula McClum, and I'm a school secretary. We spoke to Paula in the backyard of her home in North Minneapolis. Paula's dream of home ownership was realized in part by applying the savings lessons her mother tried to instill in her during her childhood in Mississippi. My mom tried to instill us into saving, but I did not catch on to it until I was much older. But she tried, but she didn't have a lot of money to be able to do a lot of stuff, too. But my mom, she took me, I think when I was six, and opened a savings account from the coins she had saved. Hmm. Yeah. And so what else did she tell you? How did she try to get you to save? <laughs> I don't know that she had the with all about it to either. <laughs> I think she just did the best she could do and to like, okay, you spend this dollar, save this change, put it over here and then deposit it. I don't know. She yeah. I guess she did what she was taught from her parents and oh. And was there a moment when you decided she was right or it was time to to <laughs> it took you know, me listen a more? Long time. It took me a long time. It's been like the last maybe five, six years where it's really sunk into now where I understand what she was saying to put money back. And with my kids being bigger and wanting and needing stuff, it's bringing me back to where she was trying to get me to save the money and not spend it all. And was there a a moment or was there an event that made you decide, you know, I need to change? I think the biggest one was for me when she passed because, like, she was the support. When I did need a little extra, I could go to her to get it. But after she died, and my brother, my brother also was somebody that I could go if I needed an extra $100 or whatever. Or after those two people died in my life, I realized I had to figure this adult thing out. Paula worked with a community nonprofit organization to develop better savings habits and raise her credit score. This made her dream of home ownership a reality. But this isn't just a dream realized for Paula. It's a transformational dream for her children. And then your home, you mentioned, you know, giving your kids the foundation. It's some point that may help them out. Exactly. Whether they want to sell it or... I know my daughter said she won't keep it because, like, uh, there's dark woodwork in it. And it, the house feels really dark to her. She wants light. So whatever sell it, find you somewhere. There's a lot of light, you know. 
But isn't that, that's, you can already see the seeds of what you're planting and that now she's, she's thinking about like one day when I have a home, I mm-hmm. want it to work this way. Yeah. She'll have the option of having mm-hmm. a home that she can keep and or sell. Yeah. That, that's, that's transformational thinking. Mm-hmm. There's something about being able to have something that belongs to you. Right. Right. That's good. And do I want them to, and I'm hoping that they are paying attention because I've seen lots of people around me that seem like they just don't want nothing in life. So I'm hoping my kids are paying attention and they do want and they want better for their kids too. Oh, they're paying attention. I hope so. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to see because like I think back to my mom and her trying to tell me because when I first moved up here she said open a savings account in Mississippi and have like little deposits made in that account there. I didn't listen until I was older. And then I wish I would have listened more. Because then I wouldn't have went through a lot of the struggles I've gone through in life. So the money traditions that we learn from our parents are not always spoken, though they sometimes are. Traditions are learned through actions. We watch our parents build a life and set an example. And they give us footsteps to follow with memories to guide us, to build our own futures and create traditions of our own. I mean, we're literally sitting in your backyard, so we're sitting on your land right Mm -hmm. now. How does this process make you feel? Happy, and I hope that my mom and her parents see that the foundation that they built was a good one and hoping I'm doing the same for my kids. I love that. Mm. Me too. I really do. Thank you. Yeah, the generations. Yeah. Oh my goodness, don't make me start crying. I know, don't do it. You start out, start. (laughs) Don't do it. You'll start out. You start out, start. (laughs) One small change you can make today is to figure out what your habits are. Do you have good ones? Do you have bad ones? It's time to find out. So why don't you track them? Take out some paper, take out a pencil, and write down over the course of the week the things that you know you do again and again. Look at your habits. Look at how you use your money week to week. And then you can start to identify what changes you want to make and what things you think are pretty good and you want to keep them going and build on them. But you have to start somewhere. So start today. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. Small change would not have been possible without the work of many people, including... Executive producer, Stephanie Curtis. Producers, Chris Farrell, Twyla Dang, and Veronica Rodriguez. Editor, Brittany Arneson. Original music by Dexter Wolf. You can find other small change episodes and find resources for more information about money by going to our website, smallchangestories.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. A special thank you to the Thriven Foundation and the McKnight Foundation for their generous support. Mm-hmm.